possessed by devils, his body racked by pain. The people greatly feared him, for he would not be bound by chains. But at the name of Jesus, the devils fled it's broke oh okay it's on well good morning everybody I'm really really thankful to be here this morning and it's true I come up here maybe three four five six times every year and I made a commitment and I'll tell you I'll be honest with you when I got started in the ministry full-time it was really really hard and uh, and 
you know, you call and you call and you call and you call and you're trying to meet all these people and it's not easy. And you're just, you're fully dependent on God for everything. You're literally, you're eating out of His hand every day. And that's still true. That's still true. But one thing, the one thing that's remained the same as, as the Lord has blessed our ministry and we've seen uh, myself developing uh, as a preacher, as a teacher, as a student of the Word of God, as all preachers are, amen? I see that God is still letting me hold on to my memories of where I came from. We should never forget where we came from. And this church, and, and if, if I tried to name every family and every person that was just a special blessing to me over the years, I'd forget too many, so I'm not going to name families and things like that, but thank you, thank you, Parkview Baptist Church, wow. Life-changing for me, life-changing for my family, and I tell you, when I was making those calls and those pastors would never call me, and those churches would never invite us to present the ministry, there was always one church where I was welcome, and I'll never forget it. And this is that church. And I, I say often, there are probably three or four churches that kept me in the ministry. Amen? And, and it, if you remember, if you remember, it's kind of like, like when you're a member, when you're a member of a church, the, the first, second, third time you come visit, there are two or three people that you always remember as very special. There was something about those two or three people that caused you to join the church and stay with it, even when it was hard. Amen? You still have those, those relationships. You, you still have them. And so for me, as a missionary, Parkview is that way. And so I do feel welcome. And I feel nervous. I have a lot of respect for Pastor Brown. I have a lot of respect for this pulpit. There's been a lot of preachers, a lot more qualified than me, standing up here to preach. A lot more able. Amen? But God has decided that I'm going to preach here this morning. Amen? So we're going to take a swing at it. Amen? All right, boy. And one thing, as he was talking about the puzzle, you have the, you have the puzzle, the puzzle, you know, and everybody has it. You have so much talent here. It's just amazing. And so God has really blessed this church with talent. And so with all the talent you have, and you decided to have me up here. So, praise God. We'll take a swing at it. All right, amen. Over your Bibles this morning to Leviticus chapter 19. And while you're opening to Leviticus chapter 19, I need to let everybody know, uh, how many of you know Fred Adams? You know Fred Adams? Fred Adams? Well, his mother-in-law, his mother-in-law has passed away yesterday. I think she was 91 or so in Canton, in Canton, Ohio. And so Brother Fred and his wife, Miss Sherry, Miss Sherry Adams, they're in Canton with the family. Sherry's brother, he passed away about three months ago, four months ago. So it's really been a hard time. So I appreciate, appreciate the, the blessing of prayer. Just think about Brother Fred and Miss Sherry um, through all this. I know Brother, Brother Fred's going to be preaching the funeral, whether it's Monday or Tuesday, I don't know, but 
do pray for that, okay? And um, I appreciate Fred Adams. Wow. Fred Adams saw in me something that I never saw in myself. And uh, when God gets involved, you never know what's going to happen. Amen? So let's look, at, let's look at this in Leviticus chapter 19, just verse 14. Very simple verse. Thou shalt not, this is like the 11th commandment, <laughs> thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear thy God, I am the Lord. And as we look at chapter 19 of Leviticus, what we see here is, as I read it and as I study it, I see that God is giving, He's given a series of rules, He's given a series of commands, and most of them seem to be related to attitude. You know, you can manipulate behavior, but you cannot manipulate attitude. And one of the really special things about the Christian life is, it starts inside, and it comes out. See, all the other religions, it's stuff you do on the outside to try to make the inside right. And it fails every time. But when the inside gets right, and then the things that come out of it, all the glory is to God. And here in Leviticus chapter 19, there are these series of, of instructions that really show the character, the attitude of God. And one of them has to do with the deaf and the blind. Now a lot of people get confused, okay? The deaf and blind, they're not the same group. And we'll see that. I'm going to explain to you why that's true. I mean, we laugh, it's funny, but you'll see there's a lot of people that put them together. Amen? So this morning, as I preach, the message is called the three rules of sign language. The three rules of sign language. Now, I'm not going to teach you the vocabulary. You'll probably, you'll probably catch, you'll probably catch some of the signs. Amen. But I'm going to teach you the, the three rules of sign language as it relates to the deaf ministry and the deaf soul. Okay? And so I also I'm going to pray that. If there's anybody here that is spiritually deaf, that today would be the day. Today would be the day that the Lord would open their ears, the ears of their heart, as it were. Maybe their heart is deaf and needs to be hearing. And maybe they need to receive the gospel this morning. That invitation will be open. Amen? So yeah, we're going to preach about the deaf. We're going to preach about the deaf ministry. We're going to share some testimony about how God has changed the lives and souls and eternities of deaf people. But the invitation is for all of us. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. I'm going to need some help this morning. I'm going to pray. Amen? Father, Lord, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm nervous. But Lord, you've decided that I'm here this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you'll use me to challenge the hearts of these people. I pray that my signs will be clear so my deaf friends can understand. I pray that my speech will be clear. And I understand that sometimes the sign is right and the speech is wrong. And sometimes the speech is right and the sign is wrong. But Lord, I pray that you just, the Holy Spirit, would help to clarify the truth this morning. 
And Lord, I pray you'll bless the message as it goes out, that the honor and glory be all yours, that the name of Jesus will be exalted, the name of Jesus, that name that is exalted above every name, the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow. But this morning, as this one simple preacher preaches, I pray, Lord, that all these people will see your glory in me somehow. Because all the glory belongs to you. Use me, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm happy that I'm saved this morning. And I'll tell you, when you get to thinking about where you could be without God, where, without God, where would you be this morning? I could give you a list of places I might be. Thank God I'm not going to list them. I think I'm in the right place this morning. I think we're the right people this morning. I think we have the right Savior this morning. And I think I'm preaching the right book this morning. So we're just going to go ahead. Amen? Now I want you to think for just a minute. Now this is hard for, for hearing people. Can I come down here? Or you got this on video, don't you? You make me nervous. Can I move around a little bit? I'll wear you out, brother. I will wear you out. Okay. I want you to think, it is so hard for us to understand, and that's why I preach this message. I want the hearing people to understand the challenge of thinking just like a deaf person would. And I really, on purpose, on purpose, I have not preached this message over there under the tent because I believe there's a different purpose over there. But I think here, I think here, I think the theme of the year, this puzzle, theme as everybody's trying to find the place where they fit in the work of God, I think it's just the right time. Amen? But I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about the deaf ministry, and so I want to challenge you. First of all, I guess before I challenge you, I want to thank you. Because I started in the ministry part-time in 2007, so it was actually 2007 when we met, and so is that 11 years ago now? Yeah, I guess it was 10 years ago. But since that time, 2007, ever since then, there's been a lot of deaf ministries that have closed down. There have been deaf churches that have closed down. There have been deaf preachers that have quit or have made mistakes and they're out. But what we don't see is a whole lot more uh, being added. We don't see new deaf ministries being established. We don't see new deaf churches, maybe a few, but not like it should be. So we should be doing more and more. We should be abounding, more and more abounding as the day approaches. The day is approaching. We should be working more now than before. Because we see the day is approaching, but there's less and less and less work with the deaf all over. So special thanks to any church that would be so faithful for such a long time to serve the deaf with the gospel and the word of God. Amen? Amen. You guys seeing me okay over there? Good. All right. All right, let's open our Bibles now. Let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 18. First, I want you to understand, why are the deaf and the blind different? 
And there are two stories I share. One is this. I go up to a preacher. I was at a pastor's fellowship, and I said, I said, hello, and you know how it is, these missionaries. Hello, my name's Adam Wells, a missionary to the deaf. He says, oh, brother, I've been preaching to the deaf for 30 years. Uh-oh. I said, I've been preaching to the deaf for 30 years. That's a little better. Guess we have a lot of hearing here, I don't know. But it was funny that he said that because it highlights one of the problems. There are people that are hearing that are deaf. And there are people that are deaf that are hearing. Spiritually applied, of course. Amen? Amen. But then I, I met another one. He's a little more friendly. Hello, Pastor. My name's Adam Wells. I'm a missionary of the deaf. He says, oh, brother, thank you so much for your ministry. I think everybody needs to hear the gospel. The deaf, the blind, the, the, the hearing, the Down syndrome, the handicap. And I appreciate his heart and his fervor, but he's not paying attention to what he said. He said, everybody needs to hear the gospel. Okay, so if faith cometh by, and hearing by the, and you can't hear, are you understanding this problem? Are you understanding this problem? You know, it's kind of nice being able to hear. You know, it's kind of nice when you're, when you're walking to the store, here I come. You parked your car and you're walking to the store and you can't remember if you locked it. Help me, you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of nice, isn't it? You don't even have to turn around and look. And you hear it. It's kind of nice, isn't it? It's a blessing, isn't it? You don't even have to turn around and walk back. You don't even have to look. You just have to hit the button and listen. Amen? Do I need my umbrella today? Nope. We'll let you know, I don't need my umbrella. Okay? But, if I need it later, I'll let you know. Okay. In Romans chapter 17, it says, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And then in verse 18, it says, The sound has gone out. Paul said, The sound has gone out to the whole world. But there's a group of people in this world for whom sound has no purpose. They need something better than sound. And it's hard to, it's hard to understand, isn't it? Because we're so used to it. We're kind of spoiled. We're kind of spoiled. And thank God for it. So here's a, here's a passage in Luke chapter 18. Starting at verse 36, or 35 rather. It's the story of Jesus. He's coming into Jericho. There's a town called Jericho. 
Jericho. There's a blind man there. In verse 35 it says, And it came to pass as he, Jesus, was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. Amen. Now I personally believe there was a lot more healing than just some eyes. Amen. I think there was a soul that was healed there. Amen. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it, gave praise unto God. So here's this blind man sitting by the road. Here I go. Begging. Jesus is coming by and he hears all this commotion. He what? He hears all this commotion. And then at some point he asks the question, what's going on here? And they say, well, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he says, Jesus! Jesus, thou son of David. How did he know that Jesus was the son of David? Because somebody told him that Jesus was the son of David. How did he know that the son of David could help him? Because somebody had told him the stories of the son of David. Healing all over the place. How did he know that his eyes could be fixed? Because somebody had told him. In a way he could understand. In a way that he could hear. By virtue, by virtue of the fact that he could hear. When he ran into Jesus, he knew who he was dealing with. Okay? Because he was hearing the time that Jesus came to him, it was very clear who he was. Because he could hear. You know that in America, even with all the false religions out there, Jesus is pretty evident. Amen? To the hearing people, I would think so. I would think so. But I got to tell you, you're not going to find Jesus from uh, Hollywood. <laughs> you're not going to find him on the TV, probably. This is where you're going to find him. But here was the thing we see about the blind man that we cannot apply to the deaf. The blind man could not see 
but he knew who Jesus was. The deaf person can see, but they don't know who Jesus is. Okay, rule number one. Rule number one. If I cannot see you, I cannot hear you. If I cannot see you, I cannot hear you. That's rule number one. Okay? You shouldn't talk about a deaf person behind their back. <laughs> right? Right? Somebody asked me the question one time. They said, they said if you have a deaf kid and he uses bad language, do you wash out his hands with soap? I still don't know the answer to that question. All right, that's rule number one. If I can't see you, I can't hear you. Okay, so everything that they take in comes through their eye gate. All the communication comes in through their eye gate. You have to remember that. Okay, thank God for interpreters. Thank God. But how's, how's the fellowship, though? How hard is the fellowship? You know, one preacher friend, he said, he said, it's funny. You know, when you come and we have a deaf service, this is another church, he says, we'll have, we'll have 15 or 20 deaf here. But then on Wednesday night, we don't have any. He says, I don't understand that. I said, well, and I have to be careful because I'm a missionary. It's hard being a missionary. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I'll let you know. <laughs> you know what the truth is? The question isn't why don't they come? The question is why would they come? I mean, imagine you're in a group of, of four or five people in a church and one or two interpreters, and maybe there's 300, 400, 500 people all together. So you have this little tiny group of people that can fellowship with themselves. And then there's a big, enormous group that can just smile and shake hands, and that's as deep as it'll ever get. You can smile, and you can shake hands, and you can love them, yeah. But where's the, where's the depth of the, of the friendship? Where's the depth of the communication? Where's the depth of the fellowship? See, fellowship is dependent upon communication. Okay? More than we think. And so that's a very important thought. Okay? Number two... This is a very simple one. Go to Genesis chapter 11. This is a very short point because it's very clear. Genesis chapter 11. I won't read the whole story because you know it already. The men get together. They're building a tower because they want to get to heaven without God's help. Sounds like a lot of, of religions I know. They're trying to get to heaven without God's help. And God looks down. He says, look at this. He says, let us go down and there confound their language. He's going to confound the language. You know why? Because if the communication breaks down, the project is over. 
if the communication breaks down, the project is over. And that's what he does. The inability to communicate destroys the unity. It creates separate groups. And it causes everything to spread apart, not come together. Okay? You see that in most church splits. Sadly, but truly, you get this little group, this little group, this little group, and they're all kind of talking amongst themselves. And they're not communicating with the group. And the next thing you know, you got that group, they're getting farther and farther apart, and it all tears to pieces. Okay? But here, here, as they're building this tower, as they're building this tower, God comes down, causes all the languages to be confused. God says, hey, hand me the hammer. No, not the screwdriver, the hammer. No, not the saw, the hammer. Where's my hammer? You know. And it's all over. How many times do you have to get frustrated really bad with communication to stop? Hey, man. You ever go to a Chinese restaurant? I love, I love Chinese restaurants. But every once in a while, you eat your food and you're going up to pay. You have your bill there. And, and they're talking. They say, oh, how was your food? Everything good? Oh, yeah, it was wonderful. And you're getting ready to pay. And then somebody from the kitchen comes out and goes, boop, 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 boop. And then this person turns and goes, talking about me? Are they complaining about my kids left in the mess all over the place? Or? See, there's an awkwardness. There's an awkwardness. We get it with the sign language all the time. When we sign, there's a, there's a, there's a distrust there. There's, a, there's an awkwardness. So here we have it. We have all these different groups, all these different languages, maybe as many as 75. You can count them yourself. However many. And they're all divided. You know why? Because of rule number two. Rule number two. If I don't understand you, you didn't say anything. Pretty simple, isn't it? If I, if I don't understand you, you didn't say anything. You ever try to talk to a Muslim person about God? You can talk about God. But see, their understanding of God and our understanding of God are totally different. They don't understand our God. They don't understand our God. And because the communication breaks down, there's no communication at all. See? We don't understand each other. That's, that's, a, that's another sad truth. But it's a reality, isn't it? That communication. And it does cause problems. It does cause problems, yes. Okay, that's number two. So rule number one, if I can't see you, I can't... Okay, rule number two, if I don't understand you, you didn't say anything. That's good, isn't it? All right, rule number three. You ready? 
A person who is 50%, a person who understands 50% of the gospel, a person that understands 50% of the gospel is 100% lost. A person that understands 50% of the gospel is 100% lost. That's a reality. That's a reality. I think of in, uh, in Acts chapter 8. The African eunuch. And he's riding in his chariot. And Philip runs up to the chariot. And he hears him. He's reading the Word of God. He's reading the Word of God. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I except some man show me? That story ended pretty well, didn't it? What do you see there? You see God providing the Word of God to a lost man. A lost man that was looking for God but never found Him. Just like Lydia. Looking for God but never found Him. And then a man comes, then a man comes and he explains the truth. And it's understood and once the truth is understood, it is life-changing. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I don't know if we can prove this, but there are many people that believe that this man from Africa, this Ethiopian eunuch, went home and started a church and got busy serving the Lord. I mean, he wanted to get baptized right there for the first time he saw some water. He wanted to get baptized. How did he find that out? There's no water in Isaiah chapter 53. <laughs> right? Am I wrong? There's, there's there water there? His life changed. He was serving the Lord. You know, and I taught, I taught about four months ago, I taught, the history and defense of the King James Bible. Let me, I'm going to say that. I like how it sounds. Amen. The history and defense of the King James Bible. Amen. All right. And one of the things, one of the really good evidences for our proper line of manuscripts is that Ethiopian line. You know why? Because it fits with... From the 5th or 6th century. Where did it come from? Did it just pop up out of the air? It came from somewhere. It came from someone who translated the Word of God into Ethiopian language. And then another one who copied it, another one who copied it, another one who copied it, and they kept it all right. And by 500 years later, they still had it. thousand years later we still have it that's important amen it's the same book I'm preaching it's the same book that's sitting on your lap right now and I'm accountable to it and you're accountable to it but you have to you have to share the whole truth See, there's, there's repentance toward God. 
and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. See? See, there's a death for our sins according to the Scriptures. He died. That's the truth. For our sins. That's the truth. According to the Scriptures. And He was buried. That's the truth. And He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It's the Gospel that we preach. It needs to be understood. It needs to be understood. There's water in that tank up there, maybe. Probably. But it can't save you. Amen. There's a church right here where you could serve God, but your service does not save you. Okay? Your family, you could grow up in this church, your family could be faithful to this church for 20, 25, or 30, 50 years. There's no family membership. Amen? It's a personal decision to trust Christ. You have to fully understand the Gospel. Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day. According to the Scriptures. So what do you do with the death? a good question. I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Mark chapter 7. Relax, I'm almost finished. It's alright. The roast beef won't burn, I promise. Amen, it's a good day for roast beef. I'm going to share two verses of this. This is the one time in Scripture where you have a very clear ex explanation of Jesus dealing with a deaf person. You've probably seen this before. Fred Adams may have shared this with you a long time ago. But I'm going to share it with you again, amen? Because it's still in there. And it really helped me to understand this thing. Mark chapter 7, verse 32 says, And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephetha, that is, be opened. So what do we have? We have Jesus' pattern for dealing with deaf people. That's what we have. It's the same pattern you followed for all these years. Here's, here's the deaf man. Here's Jesus. And here, Ken, would you stand up for a minute? Miss Debbie, stand up for a minute. You too. Stand up for a minute, Miss Patty. <laughs> They, they, Brother Jean's not here, because your wife's not here. They, you stand up, Karen. No, you sit down, you're deaf. <laughs> they, they brought unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment with his speech. 
and they beseech Him that He put His hands upon Him. And Jesus did something strange. Now you understand that Jesus, wherever He went, He's surrounded by people. He has women crawling on their hands and knees trying to touch His clothes. Surrounded. Amen. But He takes this one deaf man and He says, hang on everybody. And He takes him aside from the multitude and He deals with him as an individual. See, there's they, this unnamed, this unnamed group of people that are concerned about the deaf. And there's these deaf souls that need to meet Jesus. And when they get to Jesus, they need to be put aside from the multitude and dealt with as individuals. That is exactly what's happening back there. Every Sunday. Every Wednesday night. Thank you, all of you. Thank you for being they. Amen. This is, I don't know if this is on, is this on TV or something? <laughs> Nobody knows me. Who am I? You know, you could name some of the preachers that have stood right here. Banners, highlights, Sword of the Lord articles. And Adam's here. You know why? Because Adam is they. Adam is they. Unnamed group of people that love the deaf enough that they want to take them to Jesus. They take them aside from the multitude. And they change lives. I want to share just this one thing and I'm done. This is a Facebook quote. Deaf girl came to our church one day. And I'm going to read this to you as it was written. And I'm going to sign it as I read it. Okay, the English is not perfect. <laughs> but the meaning is clear. So listen carefully to this. What a blessing service at Sword Deaf Baptist Church this morning. I am so thankful to God for leading to wonderful church that it has been so great to me and I was definitely lost for all these years and had a hard time being able to understand in all God's words and decided to not go any churches at all because I thought I won't be able to understand in church and anything at all until I came along to Sword Baptist and praised to the Lord that I have found my soul and able understanding in everything. I'm thankful to our wonderful pastors and congregations and God. Praise God. Isn't there a song? If just one more soul were to walk down the aisle, 
could be worth every heartache, could be worth every trial. Here's one. There's two more over here. There's more coming. Please keep reaching the depth. It's worth it. But you have to remember the rules. If I can't see you, I can't hear you. If I don't understand you, you didn't say anything. And if I don't understand 100% of the gospel, 50%, no, no, 100% of the gospel, I need to get to it. God loves deaf people. Deaf people have souls. And I live in a world where there are deaf preachers, pastors, missionaries, evangelists, Sunday school teachers, deaf music leaders. And there's more to come. We should be always abounding. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Pastor Brown, if you'd come, I'll have you to lead the invitation if you don't mind.